right now I'm really focused on Detroit. Mm-hmm. Um, if you know me, you know I love Detroit. I love my city. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, one of my requirements for all my scholarships is like you have to be a native Detroiter. Yeah. <laughs> And it's just like once I'm, you know, established and become bigger, um, I will able to reach out to those other communities that need us. But um, right now, I'm centered on my city. My city, maybe I am. And I want to get back to the city that created and cultivated me into this dynamic woman. Um, so yeah, so seeing people in my city travel is just it's so rewarding. It's so yeah. so great to see that, um, especially when I had I didn't see a world outside of Detroit until I got to college. Like I think the farthest I went was like Ohio and Missouri because I have family from Missouri and then mm-hmm. of course everyone went to see the point if you were from Michigan. Yes. <laughs> um, but that was like it. Like I didn't see anything else beyond Michigan, Ohio, Missouri. Like that yeah. was it. So uh, seeing people like go across the cut, like even like not even like you know the world. Like you're going to Los Angeles. Like that's a lot. You're going to New York. Like that's traveling. Like that's mm-hmm. still decolonizing travel. Like that's yeah. You know, still taking those shackles off and moving to your own spaces. Um, but still. Um, traveling abroad, going that extra step and not just leaving, you know, your own city, but leaving your own nation. Like, that's it, too. So. Hello, hello. Welcome to Young, Gifted, and Abroad, perspectives on studying abroad from past and present students of color. My name is Danielle, and I'm so excited to be able to talk to you today because today I have my friend Sarita. And Sarita, she is an English teacher in Detroit, but she's not merely that. She is also, as she calls herself, a social justice educator. Um, She is someone who is heavily invested in the learning the liberation and the healing of her students. Um, Speaking of which, uh, she actually published a book with her students earlier this year. You'll hear about that later on. Um, And she's also very passionate about travel. Uh, She started traveling um, through study abroad as an undergraduate student and um, started traveling solo after graduation. And, uh, And that eventually led her to starting Wanderlust Revolution. Um, which is a nonprofit and also a uh, travel website slash blog that she runs. Um, and so she just tries to share as much pertinent information as she can to try and um, decolonize travel for people of color, um, but especially um, black people from Detroit. Um, she has a heart for that population in particular because she is one so um yeah just a whole lot of great things that she's up to a very passionate very dedicated person um so i'm really looking forward to y'all hearing uh about her study abroad experiences but also um her solo travel strategies and uh what she's doing with wanderlust revolution so uh, without further ado sit back relax and enjoy my interview with my friend sarita darby How are you? Let's see. Good. I can't see you. <laughs> I know. I'm trying to, because I see you. So I'm trying to see how to. Oh, there we go. Wait. Okay. There we go. Okay. Hi. How are you? I'm all right. It's good yes. to see you. Likewise. Yeah. Did you always have that nose ring? That's not I... new, is it? I think I got it right after college. I think. Oh, so, no, I didn't okay. always have it, but it's definitely I'm, not new. <laughs> okay, I'm late. I guess I'm just now noticing it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's good to talk to you. Uh, thank you for taking time to be a guest on this podcast. I really appreciate it. No problem. Thank you for thinking about me and inviting me. You know, I love traveling in general. So, yes. that, the fact that you made this idea of young black and abroad amazing. Like, I love it. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> thank you. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> um, all right. So before we get into everything that uh, you've been up to, um, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself really quickly for people who aren't familiar with you and what you do? Yes. Yeah, so I am. My name is Sarita Darby. I am currently a social justice educator in Detroit. Um, I have been educating for the past four years. Um, on top of that, I created a nonprofit that centers around decolonizing travel and making sure young people of color can travel more. And that nonprofit is called Wonders Revolution. Uh, we just started a few months ago, and so far we gave away a couple of scholarships um, that's towards passports. And uh, we just gave away our first study abroad scholarship as well. Yay. So excited to see that organization prosper and really support more people um, of color as we 
you know, travel the world. Awesome. Wow. So I, um, had you always planned to be an educator? I did not. I did not always plan to be an educator. Um, as you know, I was in James Madison. Um, mm-hmm. I took a educational policy class and I was just floored by the educational system. I was, um, upset you know I was very passionate about it at that point so I really wanted to get involved in it mm-hmm. but I did I was like a junior and it was too late to change my major so I discovered Teach for America I went to an event with them mm-hmm. and um, got on board with them worked for them actually when I was in college as the campus campaign coordinator which I just basically recruited individuals to Teach for America and um, they ended up applying to them and that's where I you know transitioned to being an educator okay wow what was your original plan? Or did you have one until you... I definitely didn't have one. Um, okay. I think being in Madison, I think, you know, a lot of people were going to work in law. That's what their thing is. Um, yeah. You know, I'm going to work in policy and things on HBO, social relations and policy. Um, so still doing what, you know, working in policy, I always work educational policy. So still kind of using my major um, mm-hmm. in my career. But definitely didn't know what I wanted to do in college. I still don't know what I wanted to do. <laughs> That's okay. I don't work in education, but um, just really want to know how do I center myself and put myself in a system where I can better, you know, support my kids and better change the system that we are mm-hmm. in when it comes to education in America. Um, so yeah, still trying to find my place to where I can make the most impact. But uh, I'm still really young, still got some time to figure it out. Yeah, but um, sure. you know, I'm loving what I'm doing now, which is education. So. Yeah. It seems like you're really good at it too. Um, you seem oh, to really you. care and have a unique perspective and um you also i don't think you mentioned this but you put out a book with your students this year too right i did i did i did publish a book with my kids um the book um the purpose was i was basically just tired of trying to convince you know administrators and people higher up education that trauma was a real thing especially for students um of color or students mm-hmm. living in, you know, low-income communities. And I like, I hate to use those terms, but those are the terms that we use in education. Um, yeah. But there's a lot of connotations that come with those. Anyways, I was trying to convince them that trauma was a real thing. So I just told my students, like, hey, I'm going to show you that you matter, although administration or other people may not show you every day. Um, mm-hmm. So I want to be that voice for my kids. I want to make my class a place of healing. Oh, I'm an English teacher and I love storytelling. I love reading. I love writing. So that's when the idea of, um, you know, combating trauma through storytelling came about. Um, didn't think it would be that impactful. Um, didn't think it would blow up like it did. Yeah. Um, and, you know, offset of that is that we, that my kids came with idea because we got invited to other schools to do these healing sessions I did with my kids. Mm-hmm. They're like, we love this. Like, we want to do more of this. Um, so we decided to basically make it a nonprofit, make it, make it a other kids so um they they just started their nonprofit. they actually just had their first event yesterday it was a um gun violence rally um mm-hmm. it's called silence violence and they really loved that they marched they rally and it was um really powerful event um especially when it yeah. comes to detroit in the city of detroit um so that's their goal just to help other kids combat trauma in their own city and really be proactive when we come when it comes to like healing because healing is a really holistic concept so really being proactive as well as reactive in this whole idea of healing. So, yeah, yep, that's your goal. Yeah, that's that's wonderful. I actually have my copy of the book right here, oh, Forbidden Tears. Yeah. Awesome. Yes, yes. I, I love it. I um, yeah, I I liked because you wrote the foreword of it. Yes, yes. Said, um, that you were kind of you're like a first responder. You know, mm-hmm. you talked mm-hmm. about um, you know, the issues that. You know, students in Detroit are having in schools, not just in terms of like graduation numbers or you know exactly. behavioral mm-hmm. issues, but actual like crises that are happening mm-hmm. that are keeping people from keeping young people from learning and excelling and just being mm-hmm. able to express themselves. And um, I don't know, just the way you framed it in a way that's like, um, yeah, this is an issue that we hear about all the time, but it's deeper than that. Like there are kids exactly. and like souls and pain involved in all mm-hmm. this. I just thought that was so, um, that was really um, intuitive of you and something that uh, more people need to um, be aware of, you know, and I really appreciate you for uh, allowing these students to kind of just take the written word and use it for their own good and use it for their own expression. I think that was wonderful what you did and what the students did, you know. 
Right. Um, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, um, I'm just floored by them daily. Um, our hope is that these build conversations and the conversations lead to real change. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I'm all about talking. That's the way you solve problems. We're going to talk about this all day, but at some point action needs to um, start taking place. And, um, that's our goal to really rally and organize to make sure change actually happens. And we're not yeah. just talking about the change. So, yeah. yeah. Well, I definitely think you're on your way for sure. Yeah. Oh, yes. Thank you. Yeah, no, no problem at all. And thank you. Like, I I know I mentioned it to you before, but I was reading the book and I was like, oh, some of this is like (laughs) relevant to me. And I've been out of high school for a really long time. Like, that's what I was saying. Like, when I was, you know, we had these hip sessions. So when they were like telling their stories, I'm like, wow, this hit home. Like, this is my story. Like, like you are me. Like, I felt a part of of these kids. So I just like, it's like these stories are not isolated incidents or isolated stories. Like this happens every day. This is not isolated narrative. Mm-hmm. It's just a narrative that's really um, heard a lot because um, I spent a lot of time silent as much as black people. So um, yeah, just wanted to bring their stories to light and in, in, in hopes of bringing power to their realities. That was that was my goal. Of like, okay, yes, we've been through these traumatic incidents, but. I always tell them like the worst of life couldn't take out the best of you. So mm-hmm. still know that this, you still have a great part of you and this only built you up. It, it broke down to build you up. So I always tell them that like you are who you are today because of your past. So let's own yeah. it and move on forward from it. So yeah. 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 Well, thank you so much for all the good work you're doing and all the good work you and your students are going to continue to do. I think it's, I think it's great. Thank you. Um, yeah. And um well, I guess uh, going on to the whole study abroad or the travel part mm-hmm. of, of you and your journey, um, I guess we can start with MSU. Uh, you studied abroad while at MSU, right? I did. I studied mm-hmm. abroad freshman year, uh, which was crazy because I've never been out of country before that. I've never even been to Canada before that. So I was like, really? I'm like, oh, this is great. It was literally like first semester of college. And I was stressing in college. Like, I was a Madison student. Um, mm-hmm. I think I went to a decent high school, but it wasn't until I got to college and realized, like, my high school really didn't prepare me for success mm-hmm. in college. I yeah. was struggling in college. I was like, I'm about to drop out. This is a joke. Like, this is too hard. Um, and I mm-hmm. think that study abroad experience for me kind of changed my perspective. Um, it kind of, like, made me more steadfast and purposeful in this time. Even though it was challenges, it's like, okay, I know why I'm here. I need to keep going and keep um, being proactive, even if it's hard. Um, and I think once after I came back from study abroad, I think that second semester was a lot easier for me. Um, I remember going home almost every weekend, first semester. Yeah. And my second semester, not so much. I was like, okay, I'm in college. I'm going to um, own it. Um, mm-hmm. I'm doing a lot better. You know, my classes aren't as bad. So that second semester was really good. And I think I just... Really, I'm thankful for the opportunity to study abroad freshman year, first semester. Like, I'm really, really thankful for that. Yeah. What about the the this particular study abroad opportunity made you want to do it? Um, given that you know it's freshman first, very first semester college. Mm-hmm. You said you've never been out of the country before. What about this program made you decide mm-hmm. I want to do this? Um, yeah, so the um, so my friend brought me to Dubai, and I've never heard of surprisingly, I never heard of Dubai before that. Mm. I it's funny because I was telling my parents I was going to India because I kind of confused Dubai with Mumbai. Oh, so yeah, I, yeah, <laughs> I was like, for the longest, I was telling everybody that like I'm going to India, they was giving me tips. And <laughs> I found out I ended up going, and I was like, this is not India. They're like, yeah, like this is kind of like the Middle East, this is um, United Arab Emirates, never heard of it before then. Uh-huh. I was like completely ignorant to you know geography and international traveling and you know countries in general before that. So mm-hmm. um, when I um, heard of the opportunity, um, and as you know, like Madison is very very big on studying abroad, very big on engagement, um, international yeah. engagement. So um, one of my professors actually told me like this would be a great opportunity for you. It was a freshman seminar, and freshman seminars are held. I think before you before school starts in the summer and mm-hmm. then during winter break. So mine was during winter break. Um, okay. And the topic was um, sustainability and um, development and also had like a Middle Eastern um, focus as well. And I grew, I lived for a long time in Hamtramck, which is a large Middle Eastern population. So I was always intrigued with that community. So I was like, oh, this is great. Um, I get to engage um, with this, this community. Um, so then when I went, the people who I, that I went with made the experience even more better. Like, we're coming up on, like, our 10 year, because that was in 2010. We're mm-hmm. trying to plan to go back um, in 2020, because it'll be 10 years. Because the people oh, that I went with were yeah. amazing. 
like amazing people still talk to me to this day, still amazing friends. Um, they came to my baby shower, they came to my graduation, like three four mm-hmm. amazing people who made the experience that that much more amazing. Um, that I never probably would have talked to before, um, mm-hmm. to be honest. Um, never would have, you know, mingled in the same circles. Um, but was glad that I was able to um interact and grow um with them during that experience. Um yeah. So yeah, that was my first time out of the country. I learned so much. It was only over winter break, so it was like maybe 12 days that we were there. Okay. Um, so not that long, but I really think I learned a lot there for my first experience um, out of the country. Um, was very scared. <laughs> mm-hmm. But after that experience, it was just like, wow, Like I really want to do more of this. Um, it really like changed my life. So I was very grateful for that experience. And then since it was a freshman seminar abroad, it really, there was a lot of um, financial support for it because it was something new that MSU was implementing. Mm-hmm. It was a new initiative. So um, really didn't have to come that much out of pocket, which I was very happy and grateful for. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was like one of the big reasons I did it too. Because uh, as you know, traveling can be very expensive, um, yes. especially <laughs> for people like me, um, where we, I don't come from, you know, rich and well, I don't come from that unfortunately so um to travel abroad and really make it less expensive than it could have been I was very grateful for that as well yeah wow that's that's awesome how many students were there in in your group there were 13 of us total yep there was 13 okay. of us total so it was, I think it was a smaller group um I think compared to other study abroad so like 20 or so but um that's what made us so close that we were smaller so okay and all of you were not Madison students right you were just various freshmen no. yeah it, we were various freshmen um if you're familiar with MSU it was we took the ISS or IH, IHA which is like the social studies um, course that everyone's required to take yeah. so it was a lot of different majors that went on the study abroad it wasn't just major yeah different perspectives different interests made it that more amazing right and were you every day or did you like were you like doing field visits like how how was Mm -hmm. it structured on a daily basis yeah we were doing um field visits i remember us visiting um a yacht facility who made yachts Mm -hmm. um we visit. We we stayed at Etisalat, which was an academy. It was also a technology place. Um, so we toured that. We did various different tours. We toured FedEx. Because um, again, it was just it was the, the broad. It was very broad, like the the focus. It, it was on sustainability development, development in other countries. Um, mm-hmm. So we did various different things. That when we look back, it's like, oh, that was just so many different things. But they really just want to give us a different perspective how similar things work in other countries. Yeah. yeah. And did you stay like in a hotel this whole time? No, we stayed at Tisselot Academy, which was like a. Oh, um, that's right. Okay. Yeah, I think it was like, I feel like it was a school, so I feel like we stayed in dorms. Um, okay. They were very, like, very much like MSU dorm or any school, college dorm. Um, stayed with the May. My roommate was awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was other schools there as well. Um, I know we met another students there from the U.S., I think they're from Virginia or something. I mean, there were, there were other students from, like, all over the, the world. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm sure. In a city like Dubai, you know. Right, exactly. So diverse in general. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And, um, it, well, it seemed like you kind of loved everything about the experience. It kind of mm-hmm. opened new doors for you and everything. Do you remember, like, a favorite part or a favorite experience that you had while you were in Dubai? Oh, gosh. Really, like it was that right of a spirit. I can't narrow down yeah. any experience, any negative experience. I mean, like any, like the most positive. Um, again, it was just great. I think the day to day, just being with the people mm-hmm. um, that I went with was great. Um, even the worst experiences, like we had to get up super early, our days ended super late. Yeah. We were always tired, <laughs> like so, so <laughs> tired, like trying to be in class and trying to, all of us trying to stay awake. I remember us like, messaging in a chat on a computer as we tried to listen to the professor because it was that exhausting. We're trying to keep each other up. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was also, I think when we, I speak of the positive, I think it's also important to speak of the negative. Yeah. Seeing, um, how Dubai works. Um, if you're familiar with Dubai, like the native Emirati only make up like 13% of the population. So it's a very diverse wow. country. Yeah. Um, yeah. And although they might make up only 13% and that might be different now because that was um, in 2010, but um, they are still very powerful, even though they're, they might be the minority in their country. Mm-hmm. They're still very powerful. Um, and the way I've seen certain nationals 
um, you know, interact with people who weren't from the country, like people from India or people from Africa. Um, it was very negative and it's very, um, yeah, like condescending, um, especially at the yacht place, which I understand was like when you think of yachts, a very prestigious mm-hmm. thing, um, you know, very uppity, um, very classes is what I would say. So, yeah. when I see the production of the yachts and the people who own the company, these are the people who actually producing these yachts. I was like, wow. That's very, very, very interesting. And even yeah. when we went to the um, Atisalat Academy, there the people who were running the front desk um, were not native Emiratis. They were like from India. And I remember one man saying like, well, I won't speak to this person because he was from India to I see somebody else. This is because of where he was wow. from. So that was like my real, like going to other countries really experiencing like mm-hmm. that. Outside of my own country, like discrimination and racism outside of my own country. And I'm like, wow, this is like a worldwide thing. Yeah. It's a thing, like, I could escape it from my own country if I went somewhere else. Like, oh, this is everywhere. And I was yeah, there all the time. Like, there's not a single place in this world that white supremacy hasn't laid hands on. So yeah. It's literally everywhere. So um, it's interesting to see it in other countries, but um, it's also um, disheartening to see it as well. So, yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, unfortunately, that doesn't surprise me, especially because you mentioned people from Africa and India. They tend to be darker skin, and mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. that has a role to play in it too. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's really unfortunate, but that's the reality of a lot of places. I feel like, especially when you're um, even in luxury industries, like mm-hmm. you people building the yachts and things like that. People who are kind of the backbone of all these industries are not often respected. Um, yeah, that's, yeah, like you said, you can't, it's like everywhere, which Mm -hmm. is sick and discouraging, but, you know, I guess you just kind of have to keep, not give up the good fight, I guess. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, Yeah. and, um, I guess I wanted to ask, um, because I know especially here in the States, um, there are a lot of, like, negative associations with the Middle East. Mm-hmm. And uh, or just a lot of misperceptions. And I'm just wondering for you. Um, well, okay. So I guess I have two questions. First of all, um, I know you originally were telling your family you're going to India because you, you know, <laughs> yeah. But once they realized you were going to the Middle East, did they did they freak out? Or- um, not so much my family because, like I said, we stayed when I was younger. Stayed in a highly populated Middle oh, East. That's right. Um, city. Okay. I think my friends were, they were like, oh, you're going to the Middle East, like, um, that's a dangerous place, um, so on and so forth. So not so much my family, but a lot of people, like my friends who are, who are also close to me, were kind of like, oh, okay, that's interesting, but are you sure you want to do that? Because um, yeah. we want to kind of have you back here, it's safe and sound, but um, I knew that I was going with a great, um, you know, instructor, I knew I was going to be safe. And I knew I just, this was my first opportunity to get out of the country because I wouldn't mm-hmm. have done it otherwise. So, so yeah, I was like, I told my fears, like, just to shut up. It just kept going because I think a lot of times media will mm-hmm. put misconceptions into your head, um, will fuel your fear, um, especially in what other people have said as well, because what yeah. they believe to be true. Uh, but I think you experience it on your own. And on your own, you're able to see like, okay, that wasn't really true. That was a real misconception. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you're able to build your own perspectives on things. Yeah. You said you told your fears to shut up. I think that's really good. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I was nervous. Don't, don't get me wrong, because I've never been anywhere for real. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think by like, the opportunity, I waived the fear. So. Yeah. Okay. So then my other question in relation to that was, um, because I'm not... I'm sure it varies by place to pay, place, depending on what country you're in, in the Middle East. But were there any specific rules you had to follow being a woman in Dubai? Like the way you dress or certain things you might not have been able to do or places you couldn't go? Um, Before that, I were, I have read up on rules. Like um, you mm-hmm. couldn't hold hands. You couldn't do certain things in public. Um, You have to be really conservative. Um, So I was really nervous about that. But also like not too nervous because I was... I was a freshman in college, so I wasn't um, too concerned. I, like, I wasn't doing those things. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't, you know, holding hands was kind of like, okay, who am I going to hold hands with? <laughs> like, <laughs> but, um, when I got there, I realized, like, okay, that may be a written rule, but it's probably not enforced, as you would think. Um, mm. 
forest, more in forest amongst the nationals there and not like the tourists because Dubai is a very big forest destination. Yeah. Um, and they know that. So they're not going to throw you in jail for holding hands when you're a tourist. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, but at the same time, a person that wants to respect the culture, you know, that I'm in. So I still was very um, cognizant of where I was at in the culture and the things that they value and the things that they believe and made sure that I didn't disrespect that in any way. Even though I knew like I would be okay, like I'm not going to jail off these things, but I still want to be respectful of that culture. So I did read up on some things, I professed yeah. things, and I just made sure I tried to follow their rules and beliefs as much as possible. So yeah, even though it wasn't it wasn't as serious as I would think. It wasn't like, you know, if you were in other Middle Eastern country that was a lot more strict, um, because Dubai is not as strict as you know, it's neighboring countries like Saudi Arabia. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, it was a good experience as far as that. I really didn't have any issues or anybody I would have had issues with the, the laws there. So Okay. And what would you say is, um, was there anything that you kind of, that took um, the most getting used to? Um, mm-hmm. Maybe some sort of food or some sort of, I don't know anything about Dubai that you experienced that mm-hmm. really took you. It was kind of like a hur- hurdle for you to get used to. Yeah. I mean, the weather, it was hot. <laughs> I think that was yeah. like the number one thing. Well, <laughs> um, besides that, um, I don't know. I don't think there was really, because like I said, Dubai is very diverse. Yeah. Um, so there's so many cultures there mixed into one. So um, I think just something that has, I have to be used to, I think. When I think of that question, I think the number one thing that comes to mind is just the culture, just getting used to the culture mm-hmm. and the way they operate and making sure, um, not like necessarily, um, you know, like follow the culture, but just respect it okay. um, and, and, and acknowledge that this is their culture, you're in their land, and you may not agree with everything they're doing um, or all their beliefs, but you're in their place. Like, this is their culture, needs to be respectful. Because um, yeah. I was, I did hear some comments from other people that I um, participated in with. I'm kind of like, okay, mm, that's probably not the best thing to say, or, you know, I probably disagree with you there. Mm-hmm. But um, I just had to be steadfast on what I believe, and I believe in respect for the culture, mm-hmm. um, their space, um, and acknowledging it and trying to participate with this. Like, like, everywhere I go, um, I try to follow the culture. Like I was just in um, Singapore and I was in, and I stayed in little India. And if you're familiar with um, India, like they don't use two symbols, like they eat with their hands. Mm-hmm. And the man told me like, they only eat with like their right hand, their left hand is like unsanitary on, on pure or something like that. Mm-hmm. So I was, that was kind of like new for me. Like I'm eating with my hands and it's kind of like a little bit, like it was very good food, but it was kind of like, it was like difficult to eat with my hands. Like this is a dish, it's kind of like a soup. <laughs> I'm not supposed to get soonest with my hands, but I tried to best my ability and didn't look like, you know, out of place, even with utensils. I'm like, this is their culture. I'm going to do what they do. So everywhere I go, I try to engage in a culture and do things as they would. Um, for one, because I don't like to look like a tourist. I don't like to, like, that notion that comes to tourists. I look at this tourist. Like, I like to blend in with the culture as much as I can. Yeah. Um, that's like my goal. Yeah. For sure. Okay. All right. Wow. So, so that was freshman year. And then um, did you travel any more during your time in undergrad or? Were you, I mean- yeah. Yeah. So I um, really um, got big into like service work. That was like my thing. Mm-hmm. And I discovered alternative spring breaks, but I think it's alternative spring breaks now at MSU. Um, so I got the opportunity to go to Dominican Republic um, with mm-hmm. them, um, which was an amazing experience. And, and again, because of the people I went with, amazing group of girls. It was an all girls group and they were just like simply amazing. And I think doing service work there and really being involved in a culture and really indulged in it was like so great for me because we weren't in the first destination. We stayed in Cabarate, which is a fairly poor community. Um mm-hmm. It's not, you know, like Punta Cana or, you know, the other, you know, touristy destinations that people go to. We mm-hmm. stay we stay on the floor of a school or a sleeping mat the whole time um, and really help the schools as we um, woke up every morning in our day to day, kind of develop it and make it a better place. Um, mm-hmm. So that was another great experience for me because I've never been so involved and indulged in someone's culture um, like Dubai. Yes. Um, but Dominican Republic, it was way, way, I got way deeper in the culture, especially since we were not in the touristy area. Um, yeah. You really, there wasn't, you know, 
the supermarket only had, you know, typical Dominican food. We ate Dominican food every day, like mm-hmm. all day, every day. Um, so it could be, like, even if I wanted to be, you know, Sarita and do the things I want to do, it wasn't, <laughs> it, it was kind of difficult to do that. Cause it's like, where are you going to eat that? Or, okay, you want to go dip in a pool? There's no pool near, like, well, how are you going to do that? So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, so really was like forced into that culture. And I think that really, I'm so thankful for that because I was able to really, learn someone else's culture in exchange for them learning mine as well and yeah. really um really get to know people like I feel like that community because that school that we worked at was was so big in that community we met so many people from that community mm-hmm. and I still talk to the people today I'm actually supposed to go visit one of the the men I um that worked there he was actually from Haiti and that was the first time I heard the history of the relationship between Ooh, Haiti and Dominican yeah. Republic from him mm-hmm. And um, so he went back to um, Haiti and started a nonprofit there. And I will always like send him gifts and um, money for it to start up that nonprofit. And now he's in um, Brazil. So I'm supposed to go visit him there. Um, he's doing nice. amazing things. It was mm-hmm. so hard to leave. Like, we cried. Everyone was crying, like really oh. became family. <laughs> like a short experience, like over spring break, only eight days or so. Um, yeah. But still like really changed my life over those couple of days. So, yeah. so thankful. Yeah. Yeah. And you said you were helping with the school there. Were you helping to like build up the school or were you helping in the classroom? What kind of? Yeah, it was a mixture. It was a mixture um, because they had classes on certain days. So some days we would teach and then we would split it up like this group would teach this day, help Mm -hmm. in the classroom this day. And this day people would be out in the field like we painted the mural, we planted, um, we built. Oh, yeah, it was a lot of, it was more a lot of building up the school, um, not so much the classroom. Yeah, so like building up the school and making it um, a bigger building and making it more school-like and more friendly for the kids and safer. Yeah. Okay, nice. Yeah. Yeah, I heard of um, Spartan Spring Breaks or student, or goodness. Alternative, yeah. Alternative, thank you. Alternative Spring Breaks or Alternative Spartan Breaks, but I don't think I've ever met anyone who did one of them? Mm-hmm. I know they were popular. I just don't recall if I knew anyone personally who did that. I might be wrong, but it's cool to hear you talk about your experience and um, uh, learn how um, how kind of entrenched you were in the community at the time. Mm-hmm. That's really good. Did you feel like um, did you feel like you kind of blended in? Obviously, you're American. I don't know if you speak mm-hmm. Spanish or not, but you know. Um, Depending on who you ask, you know, Dominicans are descendant population. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I mean, did you feel like you, um, did, did that help? Do you feel like you blended in at all? Yeah, I think that did help. I did get mistaken for Native um, Dominican a lot um, because of the skin tone and because I was with the whole, the rest of the group that were mm-hmm. um, fair skinned. So, um, so then when I look at me, like, oh, you're a Dominican. And then I did speak a very good slang language. <laughs> I broke it, so yeah. it was like, oh, okay, and then so it was just like, oh, and I didn't, I didn't, I would say like I'm not Dominican, but it was like for me, it was flattering. Like, oh my god, you think I'm Dominican? Like, oh my god, you think I want to use. So I always was flattered by that, um, and very appreciative that I'm blending in so much that you think um, that we're family and that I'm indulging in your culture so much that I'm becoming family. So, um, so yeah, so it was. Um, a little bit easier because people have their connotations of Americans and, yeah. um, you know, Caucasian Americans and things like that. So when you're mistaken for something else, it does become a little bit easier. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. All right. So, so you had that experience and then, you know, you graduated from MSU, mm-hmm. start teaching. Um, and then eventually along the way, you decide to start Wanderlust Revolution. Right. Mm-hmm. Was yeah. this at the same time that you started traveling more or was this this was a result of your like recent travel? Yeah, right? yeah, it was yeah. a result of it. Um so I think I don't even know how I stumbled across. I think I was I'm very big in like world news. Mm-hmm. Um so I think I'm looking at an article on Greece. Um and you know how like like internet follows you, like your cookies or whatever. Yeah. But then all of a sudden, <laughs> like Instagram, like a Greece, like it was like an Instagram, or I think it was it was Instagram on Facebook. I believe it was Instagram. It was like an ad, like, you know, $600, go to Athens, Greece, follow la la la. So I was bored, didn't believe it, was bored, decided to follow a link and do my research and found out it was real. So I booked mm-hmm. this ticket 
for me and a friend, a significant other at that time, um, we ended up saying like, this may not be the best thing for us to go together. Mm-hmm. But I am frugal. I'm a penny pincher. So I was mm-hmm. like, look, I'm, one of us don't go because we're not about to waste all this money. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I'll go by myself. And um, up until the day I stepped on a plane, I was like, oh, no, I'm not doing this. Okay, I'm doing it. Okay, like, I'll be okay after doing further research. Mm-hmm. Okay, like, I'm fine. Um, but in, eventually, you know, again, so my fears were shut up, got on mm-hmm. that plane, went by myself. I was so nervous. I couldn't even sleep during a plane ride. I was like super nervous. I mean, I'm the vicious person in general, but just like going to another country on your own is just not, not something that people look like me to or that I knew that people did. So, mm-hmm. um, and I didn't even tell a lot of people beforehand just because I was nervous and I didn't want to get the, the negative pushback and things like that. Um, so I went and I'm so glad I went. It was amazing experience um and again when i when i go study abroad or go places abroad i always try to blend in with the culture so i stay in like what what people would call the hood if you will mm-hmm. um, ghetto and i loved it okay i was at home I was <laughs> at um, but because i was in like a really shady area too i knew i had to watch my back um, mm-hmm. if you're familiar with the financial situation of Greece at the um, at the time I went in currently, they're not in the best place financially. Yeah. Um, so when they look at me, um, a per- person with darker skin um, coming to their country by themselves, um, I often got mistaken for a prostitute all the time. Um, I didn't speak their language, but a lot of times when I would speak English, it would be like my pale, like, ooh, chocolate, or like, oh, you're so cute. Um, you know, can you come home with me? And I'm just like, oh, okay, my goodness. I had to wash my back. Um, uh-huh. I remember like the navigation, like my maps would work, the navigation increased, like, truth, like super crazy. I remember like waiting on the corner to see if I go one way or the other way. And then like people would stop because you're waiting on the corner, like you're, you're darker skin, you must be a prostitute. So people would stop and come up to me and just speaking in their language, had no idea what they're saying, but could mm-hmm. kind of, you know, decode and, and thinking, okay, they're trying to, you know, solicit me for services. And it's just like, no, like, that's not where I, what I'm doing. That's not why I'm here. So I learned, like, you can't stand in one spot on the corner on the street the, the way you look. And I often get that in a lot of countries um, because I travel so long because I oh am dark um, And because nationally, um, as well as worldwide, Black women are known to be good in bed. They're known to be promiscuous. That is mm-hmm. the archetype that black women um, come with. And we, they've had that archetype since, you know, the 1800s. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what's um, the stereotype that we come with. Um, so I, that's not an isolated incident. Um, when I went to other European countries, I had the same situations. Um, it's more prevalent in European countries, unfortunately. But, um, that didn't deteriorate my experience. I still love Greece. I'm mm-hmm. thankful for that being my first solo experience because it fueled my desire to even travel more. Yeah. Um, so after that, I was like, I want to do more of this. Um, I started researching, but I'm, I'm broke. Like, I ain't got no money. Like, I'm a teacher. <laughs> like, you know, like, we're never going to get paid in the, as we should in this beautiful nation that we live in. So I was like, how do I travel on a budget? I started researching. I did so much research. I remember that up like hours at night, like, how do you travel for cheap? And I just learned the hacks and I started like traveling every month almost for very little. Like my my um rule of thumb was like I would not spend more than five hundred dollars on anywhere. And um I didn't I think the most I spent was almost six hundred and I was to go to Thailand. Um and because it was my birthday, um but I discovered that six hundred for Thailand is way too much. Yeah. Um because Thailand is a fairly cheaper um travel mm-hmm. destination. Um so yeah. Um but I splurged for my birthday and I think um, any other trip, I would never spend more than five hundred dollars on. Mm-hmm. And I realized, like, it can be cheap to travel, but if you're a person living in abject poverty, five hundred dollars is a lot of money for yeah, you. You're living paycheck to paycheck. Um, you know, you're in a system that where you've been oppressed your whole life, like a system that's not working for you financially, socially, or politically. So, I wanted to make sure that I was not the only one experiencing this, the only person that looked like me experiencing this. So mm-hmm. that's when I came up with the idea to develop a nonprofit center around decolonizing travel and making sure people of color travel. Because I think uh, when I think of the notion of decolonizing um, travel, I feel like travel is very colonized by the white um, diaspora, um, not diaspora, but the white, um, the Western culture. So, mm-hmm. um, but when I think of black people, black people have always been. Um, not shackling, going to where we want to go um, until we came 
who we were brought to this nation. And I mm-hmm. think um, now we need to really make sure that we're doing and going to our own spaces as we should and really traveling and seeing the world. So when we go home, we're able to change home because we saw so much when we were away. So we're able to make those changes. It really changes your perspective on a lot of things. So um, for me, I always tell people like the best lessons I've learned in a classroom has been on my journey around the world. Yeah. Um, so that's why I really want to make sure a lot of people that look like me get that opportunity as well. Yeah. Yeah. You've, um, yeah, because I've obviously seen your Instagram account and your website and you're always posting like travel tips mm. and, you know, not just like how to travel cheaply, but little things like make copies of your passport or, mm. you know, um, just like things that I never would have thought about, you know, mm. I have traveled not as extensively as you, of course, but, you know, just things that were like, oh, OK, you know, I never would have thought about that. But now that it's in front of my mm. face. It makes perfect sense. Like things right. like that. <laughs> exactly. So um yeah, I think and um another thing I don't think you've mentioned yet is you know, you're young, you're mm-hmm. a teacher, um, but you're also a parent. And mm-hmm. so like you're able to make all this happen even mm-hmm. with all the various responsibilities that you have. And I think mm-hmm. that's also really impressive and encouraging to people as well. It's like, you know, you don't have to be kind of this like free-spirited person with no attachments or no responsibilities. Right. You can still have whatever you have going on in life and still find a way to, to travel if that's Mm -hmm. what you want to do. Yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. Yeah. What do you feel has been the biggest uh, challenge so far in running Wanderlust Revolution? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. Wanderlust Revolution. Yes. Um, The biggest challenge um, I think is making sure I reach as many people as I can and support as many people as I can. Um, like recently, like I think like a couple weeks ago, so a girl called me and she was at MSU and she was trying to study abroad. Um, and she just didn't have the, the financial support. And I told her, and we, I had just given away my study abroad scholarship. Mm-hmm. Um, so try to support her financially, try to spread the word as much as I can. Um, so the goal, the challenge is just having enough funds and financial support to make sure I get those people who really want to see the world, but again, who just do not have the financial support Um, and people who are, who's in a system who that systematically has not supported them financially and economically. So, um, that for me, other scholarships I've given away have been from my own money. Um, so making sure that I'm applying for grants and getting the funds from different um, people to make sure I can support more people has been the challenge for me. Um, and then I think just making sure I keep uh, people updated on things. Like even if I can't give you financial support, give you that knowledge is also important for me. So making sure people are aware of things like getting your passport stolen abroad, making sure people are aware of the hacks of the website to use to make sure you're not paying you know, top dollar for a flight that could be half the price mm-hmm. of what you normally would pay. Yeah. So, um, so making sure I'm updated on that because you know, I have so many things going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but making sure that this goal of making sure young people of uh, color travel is also at the forefront of my priority list. So. Yeah, for sure. And then what has been most rewarding so far in mm-hmm. being in charge of this this movement that you've created? Yeah, I mean, of course, seeing more people travel. Yeah. Um, more people of color. I think... Um, Right now, I'm really focused on Detroit. Mm-hmm. Um, if you know me, you know I love Detroit. I love my city. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of my requirements for all my scholarships is that you have to be a native Detroiter. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like once I'm, you know, established and become bigger, um, I will be able to reach out to those other communities that need us. But um, right now, I'm centered on my city. My city made me I am. I want to get back to the city that created and cultivated me into this dynamic woman. Um, so, yeah. So seeing people in my city... Travel is just, it's so rewarding. It's so, yeah. so great to see that, um, especially when I had, I didn't see a world outside of Detroit until I got to college. Like, I think the farthest I went was like Ohio and Missouri, because I have family from Missouri. And then, mm-hmm. of course, everyone went to see the point if you were from Michigan. Yes. <laughs> um, but that was like it. Like, I didn't see anything else beyond Michigan, Ohio, Missouri. Like, that yeah. was it. So, uh, seeing people like go across the cut, like, even like, not even like, you know, the world, like you're going to Los Angeles, like that's a lie. You're going to New York, like that's traveling, like that's mm-hmm. still decolonizing travel, like that's, yeah. you know, still taking those shackles off and moving to your own spaces, um, but still um, traveling abroad, going that extra step and not just leaving, you know, your own city, but leaving your own nation, like that's big too, so. Yeah, for sure. 
And you, you've mentioned a couple times the scholarship that you do. Is that a monthly thing that you do? Or is it um, like how often do you do the study abroad scholarship? Yeah, so the study abroad scholarship, we do seasonal. Okay. Um, so like we'll do one because, again, it's for college students. And I know yes. you study abroad, so typically for a term like in the spring, summer, fall, mm-hmm. um, winter. So we do those seasonal. And I try to do the passport support um, scholarships every other month. Um, so yeah, that's my goal is to keep up with the passport support scholarship every yeah. other month and then the study abroad scholarship. Seasonal. Oh, okay. So I didn't mm-hmm. realize they were separate. Okay. So yeah, you have, yeah. yeah. So you have a passport fund and then you have like a, like a regular scholarship fund. Yep. Yep. So okay. the passport, um, fund was what I first started because yes. I realized like, oh, I want to travel, but I don't even have a passport. Like a lot of people yes. would say that and I'd be like, wow, like you don't even have a passport. And then to really like realize like passports are almost $200. Like that's mm-hmm. a lot of money. Like people are so desperate enough for traveling. And some people say like, oh, that's nothing. Like that's a pair of shoes. Like, okay, that might be a pair of shoes, but when you're living to pay paycheck, like that's yeah. a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So to make sure I'm supporting those people to even though if you want to go to Canada, which is right across the water, like now you have a passport to do that. Or now mm-hmm. you, you don't have to get enhanced license or whatever was required. Now you can go to Canada. And if you wanted to, you can also go to this country and this country and that country. So yeah. Yeah, make a with those people. And then I started study abroad scholarship just because I would see I would donate to so many um GoFundMe's um for study abroad and I realized like maybe I should just make my own like um you know scholarships to make sure I'm supporting those people who really want to study abroad. Yeah. Um so yeah, so my goal is just to make sure I reach more people, get more funds, apply to more grants to make sure we get more people that look like us um to see the world basically. Okay. Yeah. Wow. That's that's really admirable. Um, it's, and it's, um, it's great to see how committed you are. I know it's, it's, it must take a lot of personal sacrifice, um, just in terms of time, but also like financially, it's like you're funding this yourself, um, Mm -hmm. but you're dedicated. So like, it's Mm -hmm. worth something to you. So you continue to, to do it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And so you've, um, since you went to Greece, that was kind of the first solo travel that you did. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I think that was me. Sorry. <laughs> um, how about how many countries have you been to since then? Um, I think I'm at like 28. So I'm almost at 30 uh-huh. um, countries since then. Um, last year I traveled to 60 countries and I'm continuing to travel this year. Um, mm-hmm. This year I'm really making a priority to travel more of my son. I was yeah. a little bit nervous before just because he's young and I don't even trust my own nation with my son. So me going to nations I'm not familiar with, <laughs> yeah. like that's a challenge. Like, so now that I'm getting more familiar with traveling and getting more familiar with, you know, safety of me, so I can bring him with me. So he went yeah. first national trip with me last year. And um, this year for his birthday, we just came back from Aruba and he mm-hmm. loved it. He can't mm-hmm. stop talking about it. Um, so now I'm oh, like looking wow. at flights to see if we can get somewhere else before the summer is over. We already planned a trip to LA, but like before the summer is over, I really want to get him somewhere else. Yeah. Because he loved the experience so much. Yeah. Um, especially like Zaruba is so like diverse as well. And like the we would go to the playground, so many people would speak Spanish. He's like, oh, mommy, they're speaking Spanish. But he's still like communicating with him because he's such an extrovert. Mm-hmm. And he loves like just kids in general. Mm-hmm. So he's still like trying to communicate with them, even though they don't speak his language. And they're still having a time <laughs> of their life because they're kids. Like they don't have to speak the same language. Like they're having a time of their life playing tag and they don't even speak so I'm just like, wow, I need to get you more. Because it really refines his blackness as well when he comes home. He's able to like, admire that more and appreciate him being who he is more so that's really my goal is to make sure he sees the world more because i know that will be more impactful for him as far as um academics and knowledge and intelligence than um, Mm -hmm. other experience is in like inside of a u.s classroom within our educational system which might not be you know what i wanted to be so i know traveling would be very impactful for him as well yeah and I'm sure he appreciates it now, just like as a kid having fun and spending time with his mom. But I'm sure he, yeah. when he gets older, when he gets to oh, get, yeah. sit back and think about what he was able to do at such mm-hmm. a young age, thanks to his mom, I think he'll really appreciate it when he's older. Absolutely. Yeah. And you, um, you kind of follow the deal, right? You don't really have like a 
in terms of what countries you decide to go to, there's mm -hmm. no like specific set order. Like I want to go here and then I want to go here. You kind of just follow whatever the deal is, correct? Yeah, I definitely follow the deals. Um, like I don't, I mean, of course there's countries that I want to go to, um, mm -hmm. but they're always expensive. Like I just, for my birthday next year, I'm going to South Africa and mm -hmm. I never get flight deals to South Africa. So when I got that in my email, Two seconds later, I booked the flight, like, didn't yeah. tell nobody. And then I told people after, so a couple of my friends were ever to book flights, too. So I'm excited about that for next year because trying to get home is a big challenge for me, like, trying mm -hmm. to get to the motherland because they don't really want us to go there. So the flight, there's never mm -hmm. flight deals. The flights are always expensive. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, so then that's where I'm in these, you know, European countries and these, these you know, countries that's colonizes us and all these other things. It's still learning a lot. Um, when I'm in another other countries, I also like to learn about, about the educational system. Uh, so doing some of my personal research with that. So again, I can bring that home and make changes within our system. Um, mm -hmm. So that's really important to me. But yeah, so just traveling um, to where it's the cheapest because I can learn something in any country. You know, I can bring that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, not trying to go where the latest trends are. I'm just trying to go to where, hey, this is a cheap destination. I know I can bring back something special from this yeah. country regardless of college. So yeah. Definitely. And you you haven't yet been to Africa yet? South Africa would be your first time? Yeah. Well I've been to Morocco, which is um oh, yes. I consider okay. part of the Middle East. Um mm -hmm. still in Africa, um northern Africa Africa, but um when I do my DNA and my ancestry um to go to those places like West Africa, mm -hmm. um, that would be very rewarding for me. So yeah. yeah. Okay. Wow. So um you you obviously give advice. That's like what you do for Wanda's Revolution. Mm -hmm. But um, I'm just wondering, like personally, based on what you've experienced thus far, um, do you have any uh, specific advice for anyone who's looking to study abroad or just to travel more in general? Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I would say um, don't listen to people. Don't listen to the media. Um, just like go. Like that's always my advice to just mm -hmm. go. Um, tell your fears to shut up and just go. Um, my idea for people who are young like me and are in college or just got out of college who are still broke, trying to find their way mm -hmm. in the world at this kind of practicing adulting, I would just try to find the best um, deals, um, search around, um, and just try when you get there. Um, I know if you, you know, you're kind of like, you know, a bougie person, you enjoy a good experience, a lecture experience, and you know, <laughs> wear your options, your comfort zone. But I, yeah. I'm a person who like values and experience or the culture over like mm -hmm. my own luxuries. Like I usually stay in hostels or Airbnbs to save mm -hmm. money. Um, and again, like I'm never in my room because I'm always out, um, you know, exploring the city that I'm in. So like that's just not important to me. Like if I have a shower and a bed, I'm good. Yeah. Um. So I save a lot of money on that. I save a lot of money on like transportation. I'm always using public transportation. And like when I say public transportation, like I know it's some cities who have a tourist transportation and then have like this is the transportation like this like the locals use. So I'm always trying mm -hmm. to use the transportation that the locals use because it's always cheaper. I remember being in Cuba and like they had like the taxis, which are great to ride in, but like the local buses there were super cheap. Like I went to a whole nother city for like five dollars, mm -hmm. which was like, mm -hmm. are you kidding me? Like this is like a <laughs> almost an hour trip and only took five dollars. Yeah. Um, and that was the same in Singapore. Like I went to a whole nother country for like a mere eight dollars on a bus. So um, mm -hmm. Singapore is very close to Malaysia, and I just bought a bus ticket, um, you know, with the immigration guys to Malaysia for like eight dollars. So wow. really making sure you really like kind of like weigh your options in terms of like, okay, do I want to go for this luxury experience? Or do I want to go to experience that's a little less, but it's going to give me the same outcome. Mm -hmm. um, so you're still going to experience this city. You might not have, you know, the luxuries that a hotel comes with or resort, um, but it's still the experience is still there. Um, I know for me, I think this issue too, like I know when I went to Aruba, which I never stay on resorts, I'm like anti-resort because it's just, mm -hmm. it's, it's the lack of culture there just annoys yeah. me and the touristy aspect of it really annoys me. But I know when I went my son, I stayed on a resort just because of safety. I know he will be safe there. Um, and I know when I think about him, like I will be good. Like I'm from Detroit, like I'm good. Mm -hmm. So when I think of him, like I don't have to worry about him, like yeah. I'm in a pool, or like because that's what people say, like you don't be scared. Like I'm from Detroit, like I know my my country doesn't protect me. Um, so when I go to other like country, like 
I'm not going to feel any less protected because my own country doesn't value me or my life. So mm-hmm. when I go to other countries, people, you know, they don't care about me. Like I'm just a tourist there. So they're not going to try to attack who I am like they would in my country. So that's a different story. But uh, yeah. yeah, just try to like make sure <laughs> you're like saving um, and make sure you're like really being financially smart when it comes to traveling. Because, um, it is expensive. I will not tell you that traveling is cheap and an inexpensive endeavor. Um, it costs money to travel at the end of the day. Um, yeah. So, um, but if you want to do it, it is a very feasible endeavor. Um, you just have to plan and just go. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for that, Sarita. That's really helpful. Um, mm. And uh, last but not least, I just want to ask, um, where can people find you and Wanderlust mm-hmm. Revolution or where can they support you, whether that be like with Wanderlust or Wanderlust Revolution or even what you're doing with your students? Mm-hmm. How can people reach you? How can people support you? Let us yeah, know. Yeah, of course. Um, so the blog website is wanderlustrevolution.org. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you want to go in there and just read my travel stories, um, read some of the tips, um, definitely take a look at that. I know uh, one of my big stories that like everyone talks about is like how I got my passport stolen and this like mm-hmm. the, yeah. the tips that I came with that, uh, which people like you said, like never even thought of, uh, which is important. And it's kind of embarrassing. Like how did you get your passport stolen? Like, <laughs> <laughs> but it's just like, it's hey, helpful, I travel though. a lot. Yeah, like you learn <laughs> with experiences. But I learned my lesson and I'll make sure anybody that I talk to or interact with me ever has that happen to them. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, so Wonders Revolution, if you want to email us, um, the email is wondersrevolution1 at gmail. You want to email us any information or just connect in general. Um, I know you mentioned our kids' book earlier. Um, mm-hmm. You have a copy, which is great. If anyone yeah. else wants to get a copy, you can buy it on Amazon. The book is called Forbidden Fears. If you type that in on Amazon, it'll be like the first item that comes up. Mm-hmm. Um, we also started an organization. The organization is called Detroit Hills Detroit. Mm-hmm. Um, our website is launching in a couple of weeks. Um, if you want to learn more about that, you can contact us at Detroit at gmail.com. So, yeah. So, I have a lot of stuff in store. So, mm-hmm. um, if you could pray for me, that would be great. Yes, definitely. Um, yeah. So, just make sure we're still um, supporting the movement. Yeah. Because the sure. movement is ongoing. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for um, taking the time to talk again. And, um Thank you for all the stuff you're doing. Uh, I'm going to put all the information you just mentioned out there so people can find you and support you yeah. or at least just, you know, participate, whether that be like online conversations or whatever, you know, yes, yes. really want to help as much as I can. Um, but yeah, I was so I was so excited to, to talk to you because you just are doing so much and you are really committed to what you're doing. I think mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. I look at the stuff you're doing online or I see you talking about something, it's just like, wow, she really like believes in the work that she's doing. And so I was really looking forward to to talking to you today. So I'm so glad that we're and um, yeah, I just I'm really appreciative. Yes. Well, thank you so much, Queen. <laughs> I love the conversations today. Again, I love talking about traveling in general. Yeah. Um, so thank you for just starting this movement of being young, black and traveling abroad. Like, thank mm-hmm. you for that, because that oh. is so important to me and our community in general. So you're awesome. Oh, thank you. Likewise. Likewise. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll let you go. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. And um, I hope you have a great week. And um, yeah, just good luck to you and everything else that you're doing right now. Thank you, Queen. You too. Enjoy your Sunday, love. Okay. Bye, Serena. I love <laughs>
So for next week, I have another friend of mine coming on who uh, she works in um, social work and mental health. But then she also has her own endeavor on the side where she um, helps people gain access to more holistic and intuitive healing methods. Um, And she was able to study abroad in Barbados when she was in undergrad and then also in Ghana in grad school. Um, So you'll, you'll hear all about that next week. But until then, thank you so much for listening and talk to you next time. Life can be so sweet.